Good morning, everybody. This is your host, Sophia Nelson, and welcome to the One America podcast. This is our weekly Saturday thought segment. I love this segment because I get to recap the week that has passed. I have a great guest today. I have with me my friend, journalist and political analyst, host of Spilling Chai podcast, which you gotta follow. I've been a guest on it. She always has great people. And I want to welcome to the show, Anoushe Hossein. And I say her name like that so that I get it right. Hey, girl. (laughs) Hi, Sophia. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Listen, um, I think it's fair to tell our audience she is a mom with young kids at home and she's doing the... (laughs) The home learning and we had a bit of a, you know, we had a bit of an emergency. Is everything okay? Everything's okay. You know, moms these days, on top of everything else that we're doing, we're also tech support for our children who are learning uh, virtually. So, you know, just one more hat to wear. I never thought I would be anybody's tech support. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm, I'm grateful my nieces are college age and, and you know, I don't, because, uh, boy, I tell you, I would have been in trouble if they had to rely on me for some tech support. Right? Um, You'll be surprised. <laughs> yes. And I want to talk about that. We'll talk about the impact of COVID on moms and, and all that. We're going to get into a lot today, ladies. Um, you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, of course. And all of us, there's not one of us that doesn't have a friend, a family member, someone that we know who's been touched by breast cancer. And so this month of October, I'm really spotlighting women who are amazing women and doing amazing things in our world to make it a better place. And I'm going to have on some guests. Uh, as we go throughout the month as well, who've actually faced breast cancer, fought like a girl and won. So uh, I wanted to just uh, let you know that's coming up. But let's dig right in, uh, Anisha. Let's talk about a couple things. First, uh, you and I are big on Twitter. We hang out on Twitter a lot. We do. Uh, Twitter's where a lot happens. It's fast moving. But you and I both came across an article about uh, one of my favorite actresses, Gal Gadot, who's an Israeli actress. She, of course, plays Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite shows, the original. I'm old enough to remember Linda Carter being Wonder Woman. And I Me follow too. her on Twitter. She's <laughs> Me awesome. Too. She's awesome. And I think that uh, Gal has done an amazing job uh, with the character. But she's going to be playing Cleopatra. Now, yes. you are a woman of color as I am a woman of color. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. There's a bit of controversy about whether or not she should have been cast and whether it should have been an African actress or at least an Egyptian actress or someone. Same difference. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? You know, I normally would not have gotten as upset as I did about this casting because who are we kidding? It's Hollywood. I think two years ago they had Matt Damon playing Genghis Khan. I mean, give us a break. Mm-hmm. So, And then there was a story that came up just this year about how Julia Roberts was approached with Harriet Tubman. So it's Hollywood. We should all lower our expectations. But call me naive. I really thought with the whole wokeness, (laughs) you know, moment everybody had over the summer, especially after George Floyd's brutal murder and, you know, really a reckoning that I thought, I felt was happening in American newsrooms. And, you know, we had major publications, even Vogue apologizing for their, Mm -hmm. you know, basically racism. Uh, So I really thought Hollywood was going to get the message or at least pretending to get the message but apparently they're not even going to do that the interesting thing about this casting though is that it has really opened a really interesting discussion on 
what Cleopatra actually was and what her race actually was. Mm-hmm. And even though you and I were getting upset about it and a lot of people were like, well, Cleopatra was Greek, so Gal Gadot, you know, close enough. And, wow. Uh, the interesting thing that I came across, actually it was through I, Heidi Moore's uh, Twitter, was that Cleopatra was an African queen. She was always treated her lifetime well egypt is in of, africa exactly north africa yeah, exactly north africa but how the whitewashing this is this goes beyond hollywood it's not just about whitewashing cleopatra but the racism people have in just imperialistic history you know they don't yeah. want her to be a black woman let's talk about that a little bit but what i'd like to do is give folks a, a backdrop a little bit about you tell us a little bit briefly about who you are and what you do in the world and a little bit about your family Um, well, I am a Bangladeshi born and I'm really Bangladeshi. Like my family lives there. <laughs> my husband's always like, can you just tell people you're American? Even though I've been living here now for 25 years, I was born and raised in Bangladesh. And I am just probably the biggest feminist you'll ever come across. <laughs> That's just my, I mean, I'm a journalist, I'm a political analyst, but really I'm just the biggest biggest feminist you'll you'll ever meet so working for women's rights advocating for women's rights health everything for women and girls is kind of the mo in my life and yeah you know working on intersection uh feminism but analyzing that seeing everything through a feminist lens and especially being a, a woman of color i see everything through a feminist lens and one of the one of a brown uh, from a perspective of a woman of color and one of my favorite things about what i do is getting to kind of always put in how every situation affects women and women of color and why we should all care about that because when women win we all win and as we are seeing women are not winning and the world is kind of going to hell <laughs> well you know i i i hear you and concur on the sense that uh, we still have a ways to go but i tell you i'm actually optimistic and i'm optimistic because i think that women are really going to shape what happens in america in this next election which is only in a few weeks uh and i think that women voters are going to determine who the next president is yeah i think that women have been steadily making amazing gains particularly here in the commonwealth of virginia where i live uh in 2016 when donald trump was elected there were very few women in the virginia general assembly in the house of delegates and in the senate fast forward four years later thanks to the backlash of women being tired of what trump did and the marches and the activism we now have a woman speaker of the house we have yeah. a woman majority leader uh we have more women in the congressional delegation than ever there was only one before that barbara comstock who was a republican congresswoman now we have three democrat congresswomen yeah and we may have a female governor this next go round so i see things changing for the better for us as women um because we finally stood up and said you know we need to get our butts off the duff here and we need to get moving and we need to start supporting each other and working to help get each other elected. So I think that's a good thing and I know you agree with that as well. I agree with that, but I also have to say that despite the fact that I think we have record numbers of women right now uh on Capitol Hill in Congress and the Senate, which I think is great, but it's still not enough. America still has one of the lowest number of women in government in the world. And what I'm worried about and what is really important because a lot of times when you live in America, I mean this country is so big, we kind of get wrapped up in our own issues. 
But I think what's really important to remember is that what happens in America impacts women all over the world. Yes. And I think what's happening no right now on, you know, what has happened this week with the confirmation of Judge Barrett, yes. that yes. has You're getting ahead of me, girl. You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> Hold on. Slow down. So, um, yes, let's talk about that. I, I hear you, but I do think, and, and maybe I'm just overly optimistic here, but I am. When we look at the national polls, uh, look, I've been doing politics for a long time. Yes. I, I was congressional page. You back actually when I was in, give what, me hope. You give me oh, hope. So I am you. happy that you're optimistic because I'm scared that this woman is gonna just set it back for American women. Well, let, let's no. talk about that. Let's get into that. But before we get there, I want to kind of set the table for our listeners again. You know, we're talking about this past week, uh, the week of October thirteenth, uh, uh, October twelfth, rather. Uh, week starts on Monday. Uh, I was raised that it starts on Sunday, but you know, it is a um, it's been a remarkable week in politics and in uh, judicial uh, philosophy and in this this hearing about uh, Amy Coney Barrett. But I want to set the table for our listeners. First and foremost, if you're looking at the national polls, there's something interesting that you didn't see in 2016. One, President Trump has not gotten above in any national poll that I've seen, not Rasmussen, which is his favorite, which has him down by 10. Yeah. Uh, not any poll I've seen, not Fox or any, has the president above 47, 46, 47 percent. He just hasn't moved. Yeah. And that's exactly where he was, ironically, in 2016. What is interesting is that Joe Biden has had a steady lead throughout the entire year after he became the official nominee. But he is plus 12 and he's at 51, 52, 53%. That's something Hillary Clinton never got close to. Yeah. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump had equally bad negatives. Mm -hmm. And neither one of them got above that 47, 48% mark, right? So uh, you knew it was going to be close. She won the popular vote by plus two. It was almost exactly what the pollsters had her as, but she lost the Electoral College. I think that we are on the verge, Anishé, of having our first female vice president. Wow. And she happens to be a woman of color, both African-American and South Asian. Yes. Give me your thoughts on that. Oh. What do you think Kamala Harris becoming VP will mean if that happens? You know, the entire new season of my podcast is actually centered around this question. What does Kamala Harris mean for women of color? And she just, I think, is a beacon of pride and joy and everything that is possible in America. I mean, you know, people say that America is really at a crossroads now, but we really are. And I think that when you look at the nominations from who we have on the Republican side of, of things and, the Dem and who we have on the Dem ticket really explains very clearly either direction the country can go in. But I think what's so interesting Kamala Harris and the way that women have rallied around her, especially for women of color. And, you know, this stuff sounds so cheesy sometimes, but it's so true. I am, as the mom of two little girls, you know, they're eight and three, just seeing, I'm grateful to Kamala Harris that they have her as, as a role model. And, you know, that whole, that whole belief of what you can't be, what you can't see. So representation is so important, but I think it's really interesting because early on when, when she first was, um, kind of announced as the nominee, I had a, I had a white journalist friend of mine call me because there was so much confusion in her newsroom about is Kamala black or is she Asian? And I said, well, she's both. 
And she was like, well, she always goes, you know, she prefers to be called a black woman. And I was like, well, you, that's identity. Relax. You can't do that to her. You know, mom is straight up, but her dad is black. So the complexity of what it means to be a woman of color in America, she brings up such fascinating discussions. And honestly, I mean, if we, if we, Harris, which I pray, I'm so, I'm so happy that you're optimistic because I'm just worried despite all the numbers, despite what the polling is saying, I'm just worried that Trump is not going to leave. He's going to be like, yeah, no, I think. And that's why I wanted to open with the numbers. It's not that polls are infallible. They're not. But you look for consistency. And again, that's why I gave our listeners the context. In 2016, Trump and Hillary Clinton had the worst negatives any pollster seen in 50 years. Uh, They were both just underwater. They weren't likable people by anybody's standards, right? And so what happens is, though, when you begin to translate into likely voters, If you look right now, uh, today, you know, we're talking on Saturday, uh, you know, we're mid-October, over 10, almost 11 million people have voted already early in person. I'm not talking about absentee or, or, you know, mail-in ballots, which is going to be enormous, but I'm talking about the new voters. And, And what we know politically, and this is historically true, is that when you have large turnouts and there's a lot of passion and new voters show up, that's not for the incumbent. Yeah. <laughs> That's for the challenger. So that gives me optimism. But also, President Trump has just, let's be honest, President Trump has been self-destructive. Oh, my goodness. In my opinion, since the day he took office. But more importantly, um, these last couple of weeks have been Yes, insane. Trump on he got COVID. Literally, he's on steroids. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You know, he's dancing the macho man. Oh. He wants to put Superman under he his chest. He wants to kiss the women you know, in his audience. Call, <laughs> yeah, yet, yet they call Biden crazy, yeah. right? And so, you know, you got this guy and, and Vice President Pence, who I think is more annoying more and dangerous. more offensive to me than I Trump. Agree. Because he does the all shucks, golly yeah. gee willikers, man. Yeah. You know, we're just, we love America. Yeah. Well, the reality is 216,000 Americans are dead from COVID-19 and we haven't hit the bad flu yeah. season uh, winter months yet in America. And so I want to get your thoughts on what you have seen as an American over these past few weeks politically uh, with the president. And do you think he's hurt himself? Because I don't think Biden had to do anything. I think Trump. Yeah, I think Trump is self-destructing, but I'm also the seeds that this is the thing about Trump and you know better than anyone not only is he not going to go easy he's going to bring us all down with him I'm so inspired by the amount of Americans coming in voting early you know I voted early and they're really defying Trump's attempts to disqualify and dismiss this election I'm scared that I'm scared he's going to be a squatter in the White House (laughs) Like, what if he just doesn't accept the election results? He's going to call it fraud. He's going to say that it was rigged. I mean, and, you know, even out of office, I mean, if Biden and Harris, even if they come in, I mean, Biden, America has a long road ahead of us. The death. It does. I think, look, I wouldn't want to be president of the United States of America after Donald Trump for anything. It's going to be an incredibly difficult task. But I think, again, I think you saw me. I wrote about this right after the conventions and I shared part of it. People were very touched by my kind of spiritual, uh, biblical view of Joe Biden. And I look at him, a man much like Job, a man who lost a lot in his life, a man who's had a hardship, who's had 
comes from uh, you know humble beginnings in Scranton, Pennsylvania. A man who lost his wife and his baby daughter in a horrific accident after he just becomes a new U.S. senator at barely senator at the age of barely 30 years old. You know, it proves the point that life changes on a dime. That one minute we are literally standing on the top of the mountain, and the next we've crashed on the shore. And when I look at Biden. And I think about this young lion who people thought would be president, you know, many times over the last 30 years. He's run a few times, you know, and then, you know, in his 60s, he becomes vice president of the United States to the first black president. And then in the twilight of his life, he's 77 years old. He is now the guy that the world is looking to, that America is looking to, to save us from ourselves to redeem us, to bring us back some peace, some quiet, some respectability, some integrity. And that to me is very biblical in the sense that it's God with a call on your life. It's God and how he uses people, whether you're uh, in the Old Testament or the New, whether you're Jewish, Muslim, or Christian, whatever the case is, I think we all agree that God does his most amazing work with us. After we've been through the fire, in the pit, after we've lost everything. And it's only then that he really uses yeah. us, isn't it? Oh, preach, Sophia, preach. <laughs> well, that's You're what I'm so saying. Great. So so, yeah. so for me, and I know, you know, and, and to my listeners, you guys know, I, I you know, you know, I'm a, a big Christian with a big C on my chest. You know, I feel about that. But I am, I love the fact that I believe that this man, Joe Biden, he's not a perfect yeah. man. He He's not by any stretch, but he is a good, yes. decent man. And I am looking yeah. forward to having a president that little kids can look up to, not a president who's been involved in all kinds of sort oh, of seedy, despicable, despicable things that I won't even yeah, mention here. And I think that it matters. Talk to me a little bit about that. You're a mother of small children, girls. Talk to me about how you feel about where we find ourselves now in our public discourse. It's so nasty. It's so it's, vile. We're so it's mean. terrible. Talk to me about how you see that oh, as a well, parent. Well, as a parent and as a woman of color, it's it's been horrible. My Actually, my eight-year-old doesn't like it when we have uh, the news on. But, you know, going back to wow. what, America, what America has been through, can I tell you, I went back in the White House who loves this country. You know, for all I criticize America and American foreign policy, can I tell you something? I love this country. What really hurts me about me I too. just want to be like, do you not care about the American lives more than in Vietnam War, more than World War II that have died on your watch? Like, does he not care about this country? That's what hurts me. I mean, what's happening now? No, he said, he said it is what he it is. It, yeah, Remember, he, he really said that. He said that. And you know what? People still give him a pass for that it is what it is but that is unacceptable i i I wish more people would question trump's loyalty for this country i mean it's one thing to be a criminal and a crook and just you know want to be in it for he's he's basically robbing the u.s presidency but have a little bit of i just don't understand how you can't have even an inkling or an ounce of love and respect for this nation. I mean, I'm more patriotic than the right. U.S. president, which is which is crazy. But you know, as well, I, th- I think I think uh, you know. Yes, you're right. Uh, I think that. However, and I've said this from day one. I believe again. I'll go back to my faith. 
I believe that we needed a wake up call. Yes. I believe we needed to have that tree of liberty that Thomas Jefferson so eloquently wrote about. Yes. It has to be refreshed yes. from time to time with the blood yes. of patriots and tyrants, yes. right? And I'm and, and and if you think about the fact that Trump, the president of the United States, tried to incite insurrection yeah. with militia groups, domestic terrorists who who ultimately wanted to kidnap oh the governor goodness. of Michigan and of Virginia. Yeah. And when you think of the divide in this country, though, and I want to end up with this, I want to kind of wrap with this. Talk to me about the divide that you see in America. Why do you think we've seen it so vividly now? And do you think we can close it? Can we bridge it? You know, I'm going to tell your listeners to listen. Um, It's funny because help me answer that question was you when you came on my podcast. I still think that episode that you and I did about race in America was one of the best conversations on race, even though I'm totally biased. You answered so many of my questions about race, but I think something that we have learned, and maybe we should thank Donald Trump for this, in a way he has exposed America's white supremacy Mm -hmm. and racial conflict roots, I think in a way that nobody else can. And the way that Americans do Mm -hmm. not want to talk about race. I mean, you really helped me understand that. You said that it's like having leprosy (laughs) for white people, you know. Mm -hmm. They see it, they know it's bad, but they really don't want to deal with it or have it uh, around. Everything in America comes back to race. And until we can really reckon with America's racial past, you know what I think is so interesting that I've I've presidencies and I think about Obama. I need you to move. Anna Shea, I need you to kind of sit still because you're 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 kind of whatever you're doing, you're you're getting your uh, connection. Listeners, we apologize. She's had a great connection, but we're moving around a little bit. So just go ahead and restart your thought that you were talking about because oh, we kind of missed sorry. it. You were talking about the podcast and what we talked about, and then you were getting ready yeah. To move into I was talking else. about how basically everything in America comes down to America's white supremacy foundation and roots. And somebody that made me really understand how central race is to everything in America, from politics to feminism to you name it, to our institutions, to our laws, uh, was you and that conversation that you and I had on Spilling Chai podcast about race in America. And I love how you Mm -hmm. explained to me, I go back to that, I go back to that conversation so much, Sophia. It was really... I know, I see you tweeting it, it out. I start education laughing. education for me. <laughs> it was an education for me. And I really, this is cross-promotion, but I really encourage your listeners to... I don't care. Promote. We're all about lifting other women as we climb on this I show. I love it's you, my good. mountain goat sister. You know, all everyone, Sophia <laughs> is a Capricorn. So if you ever want to understand how is she so amazing, it's because she's a Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the tenacious goat, ever climbing, uh, may stumble a little bit, but we never fall. Always climbing up. Yeah, but that was such a... Yes, uh, they joked me and my family about that as well. But let me wrap with this. Uh, We've talked about a number of things again. And and on the Saturday Thoughts, that's kind of my let's wrap the week that happened in politics and culture. Let's end with your thoughts on uh, the nominee for the Supreme Court, uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who is a federal appeals judge now in the Seventh Circuit, which is Louisiana, and uh, in that region of our nation. Um, I think that on balance, uh, the hearings were very civil, very uh, respectful, you know, no surprise Kavanaugh moments or Justice Thomas moments, nothing like that. 
Um, I think there's something different when a woman is in the chair. I think it just takes on a different tenor. I think men become much more uh, less aggressive, if you will. I think women probably roughed her up more than the guys did if, if she got roughed up at all. But give me your thoughts on her. We do know, uh, as the listeners, if you don't know, you should know, she's going to get confirmed. It will be a partisan vote. I expect... Um, maybe one Republican might defect and vote against her. And that's probably Susan Collins of Maine because she's in a real, very serious Senate re-election. She's probably going to lose. Um, And I think maybe Lisa Murkowski, but I think it'll be party line vote. She'll, she'll get confirmed by one or two votes. um, And that'll be that. Uh, But tell me your thoughts on her and then I'll, I'll give you mine as well. My thoughts on her is everything America has to deal with, with race. I mean, women really have a a battle coming up. I know that the reproductive health movement, of course, the abortion movement in America is a huge, huge issue. And more than anything, Judge Barrett makes me think about the role white women play in upholding so many of the systems that we need dismantled. Yeah, that's good. That's good. (laughs) That's deep. Deep. And we don't have time to get into that today, but we will. We will come back after the election, and I promise we'll get yes. a panel of us. And I also want to make sure um, that we have conservative women yeah. represented as well. And I think that's one of the things I'm about to work on my Daily Beast column and talk about this, and then I'll be on TV this weekend. I'm, I'm writing books, so I'm busy at the moment. But I think that, um, you know, we need to have better representation of conservative women's voices so we can understand what they're thinking, how they're thinking, how they see the world, yeah. I think, to your point, um, and have those discussions where we educate one another and learn from one another. I think that uh, uh, Judge Barrett is, uh, by all stretch of the imagination, she's she's qualified. Um, she's qualified yes. to be on the court. Whether or not this process was good, I don't like the process. I don't think it was right. And I think it was very hypocritical of the Republicans to do this when they denied Obama his nominee uh, nine months out. I think that this is a last gasp of some people who know they probably will not come back to the chamber after election. They'll be defeated. And I think the president knows he's going to be defeated. And I think that they made a decision that they this will be kind of Custer's last stand, um, put her on the court. But let me say this uh, to you and to our listeners. Here's what I know as someone who's admitted to the bar of the United States Supreme Court, as someone who practiced law, as someone who, uh, as she was a girl, wanted to be the first black female Supreme Court justice. And I, ironically, I could still be that. That's how sad that conversation is, that we do not and have not yet had a black woman on the United yeah. States Supreme Court. Uh, but uh, justices can yes. surprise you. Um, I don't see Judge Barrett being Scalia. Based on what I've seen, I see her being more Justice Kennedy. Maybe if we get lucky, she turns out to be Sandra Day O'Connor. She's young. She's only in her 40s, late 40s, uh, but she's in her 40s. So she's going to be on that court maybe yeah. 40 years, you know? She's, she's going to be, be there, there a long, long time. time. And so our hope is that as a woman, as a mom, as a career woman who, by the way, has a husband much like Kamala Harris does, who is yeah. her backup, who has to pick up the slack for her. My hope is, is that that all factors in and that as a believer in precedent, as she said she is, that she won't, if the opportunity presents itself, go about overturning settled case law. So 
I think that's the best we can hope for. Do you have any no, bless thoughts? you for being so positive. I mean, I'm sitting here expecting the handmaid's tale, so I'm glad. <laughs> I'm getting my I'm getting my outfit ready. <laughs> you are stupid. <laughs> no handmaid's tale. I watched the first episode. Me I was too. so terrified that I had nightmares. Terrifying. That show. Yeah, was the awful. book is even more wow. intense. Uh, yeah, I that that was a bit too much for me. I, I pray God in his mercy that nothing like that ever happens. That's awful. Uh, but you know what? Anna Shea on the real, there are societies in this world that they might not put on the outfits, but sex, slave trade, oh, and all that stuff. Tell me about real. it. I know. Real. I'm from Bangladesh. It is so real. It is so real. The, yes. The struggle continues. Absolutely. Well, listen. Tell our listeners how they can follow you and how they can listen you to guys, your podcast. You guys, please follow me social on instagram i'm on everything at anusha the same i know it's hard to remember but no i don't have a nickname <laughs> you can also follow my fabulous <laughs> podcast which is all about diverse thing uh, all about amplifying the voice